DJ Simulationistas. So, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. Simulationistas Sup, you're here with Janice Pelaganis. And Dan Raymer. Sup, Janice. Sup. Hey. We have another guest in the room. So yeah. Sup, guys. I guess you're not really a guest. No, I'm, a I'm, I'm always here. I just don't talk. Sup <laughs> with you. I'm good. How are you guys? This is James good. Lipshaw, our instructional designer and producer of this podcast. Yes. It's our 50th birthday. Does this bring back memories for you, Dan? Janice. Ancient memories. <laughs> what Jan- was it like for your 50th birthday? Janice, you're so much younger than 50, and I'm so much older than 50. I can talk about what I want for my 50th birthday. I'd really like to know what you did for your 50th. I, I am about to have my 100th birthday, which is like two 50ths. So I'll tell you what I want. This is exciting to have a 50th birthday podcast. That This is surprising, I have to say. That you made so, it this far or that we made it this far? That it seems like we've only done 12 or so. I think it's probably an age-related thing. So this the just time means flies that, when you're having fun that, sort of thing. For 50 times, this is the 50th episode that James needs to edit and make it sound good so how's it been for you james it's been it's been good (laughs) frankly i i do think that we probably hit a peak in terms of our diligence about recording practices at about episode 25 and we've moved a little down the curve from there as we've gotten more and more comfortable with the setups he doesn't mean a peak in listening he means peak in productivity i think is that what you mean i i mean just like setting up the mic properly but it could be those other things, too. So you mean you don't, um, you don't listeners, appreciate... Listeners, I am pointing my... my finger at Dr. Dan Raymer here. So a lot of people probably appreciate my dog panting. And you're and the, the birds. birds. The birds. <laughs> and the, singing. the mowing of the lawn. The lawn mowers. Oh, the like... dishwasher in the background. My dishwasher is actually quite silent. It's the lowest acoustic <laughs> output dishwasher no, available. No, not your dishwasher. Your wife dishwasher. <laughs> oh. oh, yes. In any case, yeah. So I, I, I think that maybe for the next year, you know, if we, if we go back to the setup document, if we reset ourselves and say, okay, we're going to start this like we've never done it before, that's what the checklist is for. So uh, I'll be in California uh, soon, in which case the sounds will change. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I stick myself in a closet or a super small soundproof place. Is this an age thing? <laughs> Just general desire not to do that. <laughs> some, uh, some statistics for the year. We're recording this. It's towards the end of September. Um, we started the podcast just about this time one year ago. In that time, we've had about 20,000 listens. Wow. From the analytics that I'm able to see, I don't have a sense of how reliable they are. My sense is not the most reliable. 
most of our listeners listen through about 70% of an episode, or the average is about 70%. Probably it's more like... You Until know, the dishes start being washed. Yeah, it's probably more like... <laughs> 70% of people listen all the way through and 30% of people listen for five seconds and then turn it off. So it says, hey, about 70% listenership. I see. That would be my guess. Because I think I listen to about 70% of it when we're doing it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's, it's a solid C. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I was thinking for this episode is that we could do a little bit of modeling a reflective practice. I'm trying to think of a way to say that now where it sounds more fun than the way I just said it. But what I would like to do is just, again, talk about some of the things we've talked about, what we've done in the past, where we see the podcast going in the future, and also just to have a little bit of a feedback session between the three of us about what we've done, what we can do better, what we can keep doing the same, you know, pluses and deltas. Cool. I have to say that uh, I've been quite surprised at the number of people that have come up and told me that they listen me and too. enjoy it. Yeah, me too. I, I think the spontaneity of it is a strong point. Uh, so for a while, we were very worried that you know we should be preparing more extensively for them and, and lay out exactly what we're going to talk about. Uh, I think we've settled into an, you know, a decent balance of preparing for them, but allowing a lot of room for spontaneity. So I, I think that's been a good thing. No, I agree. I, I think there's many, there are many people that have come up to me and talked about our podcast and then also additionally asked, you know, I'm looking to start a podcast. Do you have any tips? And I think that's a huge tip is being able to do it. Just do it the way you envision. Because I think when we first launched, other people in the organization were telling us how we should structure oh, for sure. it for a sure. certain way. And and the way we started talking about a podcast was we would be traveling and we'd have these great conversations and people would say that should be a podcast. So we decided just to do it the way we would do if we were having a conversation. And I think if we followed the structures that everybody asked us to do, we would have never even launched. We would not be at our 50. No, we wouldn't, you wouldn't have made it to five. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I think the other thing that's uh, sort of surprised me, but I, I'm constantly concerned about it, is that you know we've touched on a very large number of topics. I sort of feel like I've said everything that I have in my brain to say, but every time we do one, new stuff comes up, and uh, and it just surprises me that there seems to be a near endless supply of material, ideas, controversies, topics, and uh, not that I don't worry about it anymore, but I guess I'm realizing that there's always interesting things that come up that are fun to talk about. Yeah, I, I feel like there's so much that we could talk about, and my fear is whether or not we're talking about things that are gonna help other people. And so I think we need to do a little more invitation to our listeners to feed us some topics that they'd like for us to discuss. I, I that would. That would make me feel better about the topics we talk yeah, about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The, the other fear I have, and this is another 
old age thing that you might not even understand. <laughs> Try me. Is I'll seventy percent listen. That I forget what we talked I have about. Already talked about. <laughs> I, just said, I do too. Though. This is not an age thing. I have to ask James. Do we do an episode on this? Uh, I feel like I am going through life now, worrying about repeating myself. Uh, so, so that's interesting. I see it this way, which is, yeah, I I am definitely the repository for. Have you done that already or not? But an A, I never want to say don't record an episode because then I'm not going to get one that week. <laughs> and and B, you know, honestly, we see the numbers every week sort of go up and go up and go up. So if there's something that you guys talked about in episode four and we do that again for episode 54, some people may have heard it the first time, but the vast majority percentage of our audience probably never heard the first one. Because every episode becomes the most listened to episode as, as they come out, you know? There's, there's new people every time. So I don't know that repeating yourself is the end of the world just because it's certainly going to be new to somebody. I mean, I wouldn't repeat an entire episode word for word, but topics can come up again. It'd be interesting, actually, to revisit all the old topics and talk about what's changed. Because we always have conversations here at CMS and our thinking changes. And it'd True. be interesting to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So another thing that I worry about is um, is repeating myself. <laughs> Dan, you said that about seven minutes ago. Oh, no. <laughs> as, as well as in episode 6, 12, 14, 18, 35. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I'm so good at reading your mind. Because he said it 10 minutes ago and doesn't remember. Hi, I'm Dan Raymer. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Oh, stop. That's like not even funny. <laughs> I do have dementia in my family and uh, several of my relatives on the my maternal <laughs> side suffered from quite severe dementia. And so it actually is a worry that, you know, you just don't have a way to gauge yourself. So I hope Janice since we're friends, I think. I would tell you, you. That you would tell me. Yeah. Yeah. I would tell you. Okay. What is that movie where he tattoos... He's, he, Memento. He, Memento. Yeah. I'll, I'll even take you to a tattoo parlor. <laughs> Have we been to a bad tattoo parlor before? <laughs> I, I find that a note safety pin to the front of the shirt is, is pretty effective. So. Uh, so, so the other thing that really amazes me is that anyone would listen to me because I can't stand to listen to myself, so I never do. It's the phenomenon of... A lot of people don't like to see themselves on video and don't like to see pictures of themselves. I'm one of those people. No, I, I, I think I, everyone's like that. I feel I feel that too. It's hard for me to listen uh-huh. to episodes. Yeah, the, the phenomenon of not liking your recorded voice is very similar. And I mean, most of that I think is just acoustic. You hear your voice differently inside of your own head. So it just, it sounds wrong. It's like seeing yourself in a mirror where the mirror's not reflected properly, you know? I think it's more than the acoustics because I always feel like I, my internal vision of myself is more articulate and smoother and I listen to the ums and ahs and the, oh, I should have said it differently or why did I choose that word or it's really the content. Interesting. Same thing about when I give talks. 
you know, I think I have good content and I give a good presentation, but when I listen to myself, I'm kind of, you know, I get fixated on the word choices and the, the little abbreviations and kind of cutting myself short or especially using idioms. So whenever, you know, I know that I speak in places where English isn't necessarily everyone's first language. Mm. And I think to myself, oh my God, even my own family wouldn't understand what I'm talking about I don't understand some of your idioms. I know. Well, well, you you grew up in a uh, mixed culture household. And you've told me before that you miss (laughs) idioms. And so that's exactly right, that I use them all the time. Sometimes when I hear myself, I think, you know, come on, Dan, you could, you could do better than Dan, that. Dan, you're not the only one in this, though. I mean, I, I'm the same way. Can I ask you something? I, this I, is I don't. Little... I, I, I'm sure I would understand everything you said, Janice, if I listened. A little behind the scenes comment. So there were a couple, maybe three or four times, handful of times, when we had problems recording and didn't realize and did an entire episode. <laughs> and then we went and re-shot that episode, and it was so much better than our first go. Were those better for you? I think that um, that that is probably helpful, and that we should do that more often, where we do... Uh, we do a recording and it's sort of a practice recording. You know, on one hand, sometimes the, you lose some of the spontaneity. Uh, on the other hand, y- you know, you, because your train of thought is so much more organized that it comes out You get to the point smoother, faster. You get to the point faster. You make, you know, leave out points. Things are in a better order. Um, so I, I, I think it's probably helpful that we should, you know, do at least a kind of a rough draft more often. I know we do sometimes. Sometimes it's because I pref- forget to press record or something. But um. <laughs> <laughs> <What's I gonna laughs> there's some fertile ground maybe for the lost DJ simulation Usta episodes out there. Right, they're very valuable. Yeah. <laughs> out, out buried under a T somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Topically, I, I wonder, you know, we've never really talked about who our audience is exactly. So, you know, so there's a, that's a lot of listens. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just trying to imagine where all these different people come from. You know, are they budding simulationistas? I would assume for the most part, but I bet there are people who are other kinds of educators, maybe people outside of healthcare that are mm-hmm. listening in occasionally. Uh, I, I know of one last week, uh, someone who was an attorney and works, but has a new job in um, risk management, mm-hmm. uh, came out of the non-medical side of law and uh, uh, recently has started to get involved in some risk management stuff and she said she listens uh, and has listened to quite a number of our podcasts so 
That's so, fascinating. So, well, yeah. I so mean, I, I, just in general, when we go to conferences and we speak, the range of the audience is always so interesting in simulation conferences. And and I, I guess I have imagined that our audience is the same, having people yeah. from very various backgrounds yeah. I mean, and different experience levels around simulation and patient safety. Yeah, I mean, in my imagining of it, it when we were coming up with even sort of the, the idea for this and the marketing of it and all of those things, my the, the furthest extent of what our potential audience was to me was health care workers, you know, like simulationists is the narrowest bubble and then healthcare educators is a bigger one who maybe aren't doing simulation and then just people in healthcare is a bigger one. But I never I never really imagined unless some sort of hilarious viral stunt happened, making it out of that bubble necessarily. So that is really interesting to me uh, that and, there's non healthcare people listening. And and maybe it's just one or two. I, I have no idea. But, you know, across the spectrum that you described I'm not sure we have a focus of let's aim this at beginner simulation people or let's aim this at the sophisticated researcher or sometimes we talk um, about pretty esoteric things that maybe only an experienced person would really get a lot out of and other times. but. I suppose that's good because we do touch a lot of different people that may have particular interests. So I have a thought. What if I were to pull up a list of, say, some of the most popular episodes? Oh, I'd uh, love to know which ones are and, the most and, popular. And we could see if there's a theme. We could see you know, subject-wise or guest-wise, for example. Um, so I'm going to pull that up right now. Data. Yeah, actual data. Our top track of all time is an episode, episode 21, The Problem of Uncertainty. Check this one out. Do you remember what was on that one? I don't even this remember. This is a test. To say, yes. It's a test of yes. your memory. I'm uncertain about exactly what we said. <laughs> all right. So this is, this is apparently the copy that I wrote for this episode. This week on DJ Simulationistas, a split-second decision needs to get made in the ER. Two people have different ideas. How do you make a decision? An incident with Janice's daughter forces Dan and Janice to consider the problem of certainty. Do you have any idea what this was about? Uh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I do. I do. And this is instructive because I think it was about the really serious issue that we try to accomplish in simulation of helping people make decisions in spite of uncertainty. You know, like how do you how do you balance being you know being autocratic and saying you know we need to give this medication right now because this is the diagnosis versus being definitive but but open to input from others, and so that's what we talked about was was about how how to how to make how to make decisions with some confidence at the same time encouraging other people on your team to you know back you up and be critical thinkers at the same time and so i think what's instructive about that is that 
I suspect that we do have a lot of clinician listeners who are interested not in the education or in addition to the educational interest is interested in our experience through simulation of clinical things that are important. So that's really interesting. And that's perhaps backed up by when I'm seeing episode number two all the time. Do you feel better about your memory? Just wondering at this point. That was impressive. I don't remember. Did I repeat myself? Episode number two was an episode with a guest. So this is episode 30 titled Change in One Day with Dr. Susan Farrell. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, the marketing copy for this was, on this week's DJ Simulationistas, Dan and Janice are joined by Dr. Susan Farrell to discuss the MGH IHP Leading Across Professions Conference and whether it's possible for a one-day event to generate real change for its participants. Also, empowering leadership qualities, uncovering assumptions about organizations, and fighting about sports. You don't remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. All right. What was, what was that one, Janice? What do you think we can pull from that? That was helping Sue brainstorm the conference that was coming up at that time was coming up with IHP on how to actually create impact in one day, which was a leading, uh, a driving question for the conference planners. And I was part of the conference planning team. And, um, and we talked a little bit about what she had planned and we reflected on that. Do you remember that at all? This may be part of the 30% where I was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I vaguely remember it. Yes. Okay. But so that, that to me speaks to, I really didn't want to take you to a tattoo parlor. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's an episode that's more broadly focused, right? It's something that's aimed at sort of a a conference that is the Institute of Health Professions. It's very interprofessional. It's sort of mass general focused rather than Center for Medical Simulation focused. Has a guest, so it's not just you two. Yeah. It's interesting. Ah, number three, and this one was the most popular one for a very long time. uh, Demons of Debriefing. I love that one. I still remember that one. I'll always remember that one. Right. You don't remember that one. No, how about from context? (laughs) I do do remember that was a really fun one. I just don't remember exactly which examples we used. I remember what I used because I felt uncomfortable disclosing it. um, And I (laughs) I just did. Which was, you know, what what triggers you the most in a debriefing? Uh And um, how do you deal with that? I probably talked about my dogs in the park analogy. I don't remember if you did that, but I do. You should say that because I'm not sure you did. What's your dogs in the park analogy? That that my problem in debriefing is often I have a participant that I'm debriefing and somehow we just rub each other the wrong way. And it's sort of like when dogs meet in the park, you can't predict which dogs your dog will like and which one they'll growl at. And and so I always feel like after the fact, like what in the world was it that person emanated and that I emanated that caused us to instantly be in conflict? I, I think we did talk about that once because I, I remember so. 
I remember speculating. Well, we've talked about that many times. I don't know if we've talked about it in a podcast. So I have, for the marketing copy, uh, in this week's episode, Dan and Janice explore how to chillax in a stressful debriefing. Dan admits his fatal flaw, and the team explores how to deal with resident hubris. Also, the importance of naming your demons, debriefing self-rescue, notes on triple loop learning, and how having a good partner can get you through the toughest debriefing. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So I did talk about some of those things. Mm, Yeah. uh, Yep. I remember that. This is interesting. A couple more? Yeah. Sure. Sure. And actually, I'm sort of interested in, we had one example of where we had a guest that rated highly, but we've only had guests maybe four or five times, is my thinking. Yeah. And probably uh, closer to 10, but... Really? Yeah, I would say so. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I I wonder if... um, well, we've only had 12 episodes in my mind. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I, I the ratio wa- makes sense. I, I wonder if that's a common denominator or some of them actually weren't that rated that high and maybe it was just that topic that was uh, interesting to people. Well, I think we should interview more people. I think, and, and those podcasters out there that are looking to start a podcast, the scheduling is a big thing yeah. when you're doing podcasting. And for you and me, it's like, you know, on the go, whenever you're, are you available tomorrow? And so we don't really sit to figure out times and email other people and see if they can meet with us. And I think that's just part of how you and I work. And maybe we need to figure out a way to get more interviews in. Yeah, I will say even on, you know, in in other sort of, you know, extremely high audience podcasts that I've listened to, Bringing in guests is often sort of a moment where the quality really drops because it's like, sorry, we just had to get this person on Skype. There was no other way to do it. So we're just recording somebody talking into their computer on Skype. So the audio really drops. Yeah. Yeah. And we've certainly had that problem. Yeah, for sure. We had that one time. With Jill and... Yes. And we were outside and there were airplanes going over and there was a windy day and there was whistling and the the journal review episode which was a really good episode which is also maybe even one of the top five here oh really Uh, that is that is terrible that, that is number five and so what's really interesting and i think that this is a really good lesson to take forward janice we talked about it before we put this episode out and you ended up recording a sort of a disclaimer at the beginning being like hey the audio on this is really bad but we thought the content was really good you know if that's not going to bother you please listen and that's like that's in our top five most played episodes we almost threw it out yeah i i yeah um and you know when our because we have an internal review process when our reviewers came back they were like you know it might have bothered me if you hadn't said that at the beginning, but you saying it, I was like, oh, whatever. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready for the bad thing, and then it wasn't as bad as the disclaimer made it seem. So it was like, oh, it's fine. Maybe we should have a really long disclaimer at the beginning of all of them. Like, <laughs> that Dan might well, not if remember Dan, if he like repeats if Dan himself. Repeats himself. <laughs> And he's it only real, means he he's, wasn't he's really old and he's forgetful. <laughs> and uh, if Dan we says something stupid, the then just you know remember the basic assumption. If uh, yeah, yeah well, I think a lot we'll do an A/B test and see if our clinical audience drops out when Dan's like, "I'm too old to remember facts about these things." <laughs> so you mentioned the quality review step. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that we developed after we had, after we started. Yeah. And 
I mean, we had thought about it, but we didn't actually start implementing until maybe episode three. Yeah, I would and, say so. And so I would say for for future podcasters to to think about that process, because especially if you're representing an organization, mm. not just yourself, it's really important that uh, it gets screened for quality before it gets published. And so we do have two or three reviewers that um, take a listen to each episode before James publishes it. Mm -hmm. And I will say having a runway of a few weeks between recording and putting the episodes out is very helpful for getting a full review process. Um, We have a little bit of redundancy in place, but definitely if you're recording and you're supposed to put it out two days later, that you might be tempted to push it and say, hey, I can't send this out for review. I need it tomorrow. So it's, it's important to build yourself in enough, enough room to work that you're not forced to make that sort of decision in order to put an episode out on time. So this brings up the issue of censorship. Hmm. And so I'm now wondering... Don't curse. How much of what I say is censored. censored. <laughs> because See, because I never get any feedback. <laughs> like... We're taking out eight stupid things you said, Dan. You know it got taken out, and I'm like so sad about it because it was really fun. Remember the jazz episode? Yeah. And we were like dancing to that song. It got cut out, and it was fun. We we did name that tune. It got cut out because we don't have permission to be using those real songs. Yeah. So the end. (laughs) The at the end of that episode, Dan and Janice played "Name That Tune." Um, with Fly Me to the Moon by Frank Sinatra, um, or recorded by Frank Sinatra, and played through the entire three minute and 45 second song. And we were singing and dancing and cracking up and cracking jokes and we couldn't play it. Frank Sinatra was a friend of mine. (laughs) (laughs) And he gave me permission to use any of his songs anytime. As long as he got it in writing, Dan, we'll put it out next time. He he was a little drunk, but... That's so funny because he says he doesn't remember you. uh, (laughs) So my, my read on that was, if we were three private people making a podcast, weren't representing a larger organization with larger liabilities, I might have just put it out. But as a CMS podcast... CMS does not have permission to use Frank Sinatra's "Fly Me to the Moon," and that and that was my that was my my take on that. All right, and the last one in the top five we sort of mentioned the journal review one is one called "Getting Vulnerable." This is oh, that's interesting. This is the one where you ran your own private book club for the Daring Greatly oh, book, okay? Um, because Dan Dan missed the actual book club. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what the common denominator of all these really is. I think it's the title that James puts. Yeah, it, in fairness, it might just be my my copy because the the notes on this one are uh, discussions about what exactly shame is, screaming while taking a tennis ball directly to the face, and gremlins on the wings of a plane. I have no idea what you talked about in this episode, but my marketing copy is pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested in what everyone's favorite episode is here. What's your favorite episode? Out of the 70% that you remember, what is your favorite episode? No, no. I listen to 70%. Uh, I don't remember 
more than 3%. <laughs> which at this point should give you one and a half episodes, so you should be able to name one. Yeah, so so uh, so I think I think one of my favorite episodes or discussions we had was following our improv workshop that we went to. Oh, yeah. And we talked about the role of improv and how enabling that that was. Yeah, that and, was uh, fun. I agree. So that was sort of fun. I, that was your favorite? I really liked that one. And this is this is something that I like. You know, I like being proven wrong or when something does not sort of finish what my expectation of it is going to be. I didn't expect that one to be super on topic and super relevant to simulation and to debriefing. And it was both very interesting and extremely relevant and on topic like there was a lot of really good debriefing talk in it which uh-huh. i did which i didn't expect for the post improv workshop one i thought you were just going to do some more improv yeah it was really yeah. relevant yeah yeah i thought that one was really good i i, I also think that we've talked about research a couple of times and it's so important to me that in some ways that makes it a favorite episode of mine because I, I really mm-hmm. I really think that um, that people waste way too much energy on the wrong research topics or, oh, that was a good or one, yeah. really poor research designs. I'm reminded of it because I was just at a symposium and I had to sit and listen to several sessions in a row where um, the research that they described, you know, in five minutes, I could have told them not to do it because it was so off the mark. I knew being a, you know, frequent journal reviewer that it would never pass muster. They were enthusiastic and they could have modified it and really accomplished something, but I think there's so much wasted um energy and so so i so that i like episodes when we talk about those things because i feel like one person out there maybe (laughs) will get some consultation and not make the same mistake that so many people have made before them including me how about you janice what's what's your favorite that you can recall what's my favorite I don't know why it sticks in my memory. The one where you were wearing your shirt backwards and we kept it in the video where I was like, is your shirt on backwards? And then you talked about boiling your shirts. And doing you want to know something really funny? <laughs> that was the first episode. Oh, was it? Yeah. That, that was, was the very first that episode? That was the very first episode. <laughs> I And I think the other one I really like only because... Was my shirt not backwards, but... I. But those it were was, the ones that I boiled. Yeah. Yeah, but it was. I think it was backwards too. No, I think the insignias were all. Oh, were I don't all, remember. Were all uh, boiled off of them, and it looked like it was backwards, <laughs> but it really wasn't. Um, the other one I like is the one where I mentioned the skinny mirror. Because, and I don't know if that was like number, episode number two. That was the second episode. The and it's all reason, a blur after that. It's all a blur. <laughs> the only reason I really like that one, because we're talking about listeners that we didn't expect. 
And I had a friend um, come over, a friend who's like, who's actually been like an aunt to me. So she's like a friend of her family. And she came over and she was like, is that your skinny mirror? And I was like, what? <laughs> and it turns out she listens to the show. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool and just wow. makes it one of my favorites because I love her so much. Wow. <laughs> so James, I have a question for you. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I, I've been shocked by the number of listens that you report and just couldn't imagine that there would be that many people listening to Janice and I talking. Mm -hmm. how, how is it that the, the podcasts spread? Like, where do people access it from primarily and know about it primarily? So I actually can see some data on such things. Um, we do have a little bit of tracking available to me. I would say that the vast majority of people who listen to it, listen to it via SoundCloud, the streaming platform that we upload it to, or listen to it through um, some sort of podcast subscription. So something like iTunes, something like Podbean. I do think, so when you, when you see that big raw number of 20,000, it seems like a lot, right? But if you divide it by the number of DJ Simulationista episodes, about 51-ish, number of book club episodes we put out, about 10. So you, you divide that number by 60, it's 333. So, wow. it's about, so it's about 300, 350 listens on average per episode, which, you know, it's a big number, 20,000, but when you've been putting out right. one a week for an entire year, sometimes more than one a week, it's actually not a huge crazy number. It's like you guys are giving... A decent sized, you know, keynote or something once uh -huh. a week, like, you know, 350 people, which uh -huh. is not crazy. But I do think that the majority of those people at this point are repeat listeners, which is to say you found an audience and those people tune in every week. And the reason I know that is when I upload it, it takes it a few hours usually for iTunes and the other sort of podcast aggregators to track it, see that it's there and put it on their servers. But however, the RSS feed, which you can sign up for if you're a subscriber, is it, it sees it immediately because it pushes it via, via the RSS feed. And so within the first hour of me putting it out, before the aggregators have tracked it, captured it, and put it out on their public-facing platforms, I can already see 30 people have listened to it or 50 people have listened to it. So there's some number of people I can see in that data who are listening to it before it is publicly available, oh, quote cool. unquote, which means that they're subscribers who have seen it pop up in their feed. So that that to me suggests that that a huge percentage of that is 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 repeat business, as it were. Yeah, which is a good business model. I mean, yeah, yeah. Re repeat business in many ways is yeah is easier. Yeah. Man, I want to know who you all are. I just love when they come up to us at conferences and tell us who they are and you want to see my um uh, my it's just awesome my list of cities here my list of top cities for listening sure uh new york new york boston massachusetts los angeles calgary canada brisbane australia washington dc birmingham alabama baltimore ashburn virginia atlanta chicago cambridge massachusetts florida belmont massachusetts uh, it might be one of you guys. Uh, it's not me. Uh, Melbourne, Australia, Edmonton, uh, Sydney, Australia, Indianapolis, Claremont, California, Somerville, St. Petersburg, Houston, Amsterdam, Mountain View, Middletown, Ohio, Knoxville, San Antonio, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Krakow, Poland, 
uh, Dallas, Orlando, Istanbul, Oslo, wow. Gutenberg, Sweden, uh, Detroit, Bilrica, Milwaukee, Poirura, I, Poirura, New Zealand. How cool! Yeah, so lots, lots of Hobart, Hobart, Australia, Cape Town, South Africa, Tokyo, Japan. Wow. Bagawala, Australia, and Munich, Germany is where my list ends at number 50. That's awesome. That's really cool. And and so, you know, we have lots of friends in in some of the places you listed, especially, I don't know if they're in order. Uh, That was, yeah, that was the top, that was top order. Yeah, the ones at the beginning are places that we've uh, done courses Mm -hmm. and have lots of friends there. And it's so nice to hear that they're listening and are enjoying this at least at least they're voting with their feet in that so yeah. uh, so that's really nice i will say to the audience please if you see dan and janice at a conference uh <laughs> on a friend basis or whatever if you're if you listen to the podcast tell them that and tell them that you like it because it is so much easier to get them to record <laughs> the, the week after someone has come up to them and told them that they like so it. True. It is so much easier to get them back into the studio when someone has given them some positive reinforcement. So please, I beg of you, <laughs> say I, nice things I to them. I would also love some feedback. So think, <laughs> think of one thing that we could do better. That would be great too. Right. And topics. If you oh, have topics. something yeah. you'd oh, like yeah. us to talk about we'll research the issue and think about it and uh, be happy to um uh, do a topic we have no you know kind of list of topics that's been given to us so we have pretty free reign to talk about any subject uh, yeah i yeah. think we've cleared a lot from yeah. the facebook live and they can um, they can tweet it right to us they can tweet at med simulation which is the cms twitter mm-hmm. they can leave a post on our center for medical simulation facebook um, they can tweet at Janice, at JC Palaganis. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, do you ever check your Twitter? Do you have a Twitter? Do you remember? I link to it often. <laughs> he, he has may- one. He, doesn't, he has one. He doesn't check it. Okay, don't, <laughs> don't send it to Dan's Twitter. <laughs> um, so thank you to our listeners. Thanks for listening. I think you're the reason why we are having a 50th episode. I'm sure CMS would have shut it down if it wasn't for you. So thanks. And uh, and so, happy birthday to Janice and James because fifty was a very good year many oh, good. years ago for Thanks. me. So, <laughs> DJ Simulationistas, sup? Is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.